Welcome to the Freedom from Empty podcast, building strong, effective, resilient leaders and humans. My name is Booth Andrews, and I am your host. Thank you so much for joining me this week. On the last show, I talked about the importance of giving ourselves the time and space to ask ourselves potentially scary questions about how our lives may be out of alignment with our values, vision, purpose, and well-being. And so this week, I wanted to spend some time talking about listening, Um, because even if we take the time to ask ourselves those questions, how do we make sure that we are taking or responding to that experience um, in the most effective way? If you are a leader, you've probably heard how important it is to listen to your team, um, your employees. You may have even been coached on listening skills. In fact, a Google search of, quote, leaders should listen, end quote, generated 97,800,000 results. And even without all the scholarly and developmental admonitions you've likely experienced, the positive benefits of listening to your team compared to times when maybe you forgot to listen before trying to take them with you somewhere. If you've been a leader that forgot the listening part, you've likely run into challenges and obstacles with the group that you were trying to lead. If you're a parent, you know that children ask their parents to listen, often what feels like thousands of times a day. Frankly, they demand your attention. And again, you've likely had an experience of what it's like to try to navigate a conflict with your child when you have the patience to listen and really listen compared to the times that you're distracted, you try to move too quickly, you really just want them to do what you want them to do. And perhaps you've even come face to face with the fact that while they are tiny little beings, our children have the power to stop us in our tracks if we do not take the time to hear what they have to say. And as parents, we get really, really frustrated when we feel like our kids don't listen to us. Even if you're not a, quote, leader, or even a parent yet, as human beings, we've all experienced the benefits of listening to others and feeling truly listened to. And we also know how yucky it can feel when we don't feel like someone has taken the time to truly listen to us. And yet in the rush of the day-to-day, it can be incredibly easy to forget to listen. So what does not listening look like? This is not an exhaustive list. Um, This is really, these are some things that, that I think through my own history of times when I perhaps did not listen well. So when I was 15 years old and people used to call my house, I would answer the phone and basically say, what do you want? Um, Usually they were looking for someone who wasn't home and I was irritated both by the fact that whoever they were, that my parent wasn't at home and also by the fact that that parent received lots of phone calls from friends looking for her. And it got to the point that my teenage brothers and sisters admonished me not to answer the phone because it was clear that I was not interested in the conversation and I was not interested in being helpful and I was not interested 
in supporting that relationship between whoever it was who was looking for my mom and um, and her. I know we can all be guilty sometimes of instead of actually listening, we are thinking about our answer. We're thinking about how to respond. We're thinking about what we want to say next. We're thinking about points and counterpoints. And we forget to just be present to the conversation. When I was in my first career, I cannot, I think someone said that something to me about this. I'm not sure I would have come to the realization, frankly, by myself, but people would come into my office to ask me questions and I wouldn't even turn away from my computer screen to answer them and often wouldn't even stop typing. And it was such a habit for me that I eventually got to the place where I positioned my computer so that when someone came in the office, I would actually have to turn away from the computer to look at the person who was coming in and to actually make sure I was fully engaged in the conversation. And I think, you know, again, in our lives where we're trying to multitask and do so many things and we feel like we can't even pause for a breath, we don't even realize sometimes that we haven't paused long enough to really engage the person across the table from us or across the room from us. And I've had to make physical changes in my space at times to remind me to turn away from whatever else I was doing in order to really engage with that person. Another way that we don't listen is actually in just not taking the time or energy to ask follow-up questions. When I was a CEO, I often said to my team, if you are subtle, I will probably not get what you're trying to say to me. And on one hand, I was trying to help them understand that you know, my brain and the way I took in information was a certain way. And if they were going to try to be subtle, then then I might miss their message. And that was important for them to know. But in reflection, I think I also could have chosen to invest the energy in asking follow-up questions. Basically, if somebody didn't bring something to me point blank, very clearly on a platter, I was not going to engage. And I didn't mean it to put people off. But again, in hindsight, I think I basically said, if you don't communicate with me the way I want you to communicate with me, I'm not going to hear you. And I think I could have probably moved a little bit closer at times, not always, but there were times where I could have engaged in a situation differently by really leaning in and saying, okay, you know, help, make, help me understand and, and asking those follow-up questions. And I would have understood a whole lot more about where certain things were coming from. I think we forget to listen when we um, get defensive. So last night, my 15-year-old came in the door and she had been at school and then volleyball all day. And she said something to me like, mom, you only put two things in my lunch. And I got irritated because I've been packing her lunch every day. And when I open it the next day, there are certain things that she hasn't eaten. And so I opened it up yesterday and there were things she'd not eaten the day before. Um, and so I start getting into a conversation with her about what, how many things I actually put in the lunch, as opposed to saying to her, you know, I'm sorry or even just asking the question of, okay, were you hungry? Do you feel like you need more in your lunch? What would you like to have? What do you feel like, you know, you need to fuel you through the long days that you have? Really, I just got irritated because um, I felt like I was being accosted by my 15-year-old. And, and I probably was, but I could have responded to that situation again 
by really listening to what was in the message behind mom, you only put two things in my lunch. I think a lot of times in our day-to-day, we ask people how they are without really expecting them to answer the question. And it's a matter of expediency. You know, how are you? Oh, I'm great. How are you? Oh, I'm great. If nothing else, we get, I'm fine. And in college, my girlfriends and I actually came up with um, another way to think about fine, uh, which was effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. And so sometimes when I have that exchange with people, oh, I'm fine, and oh, I'm fine too, you know, I think about the reality that there is so much underlying that really what has become a transactional conversation and the difference it makes when someone asks you that question, how are you? And you can tell by their demeanor, by the look in their eye, by their facial expression, that they really intend to get the real answer to the question. And we can also tell when it really is just a transactional conversation and when that person across from us doesn't really want to know how we are. They don't really expect for us to tell them (laughs) how we are. I also find, I think, in social media that we are very much in a position to say, listen to me, watch me, look at my life, look at this picture, look at this video, but I don't really have an interest in listening to you. I think the social media platform lends itself to us broadcasting messages, broadcasting opinions without putting us in a position to really listen to the other person and frankly, not even giving an indication that we're interested in listening to the other person or really engaging in what they have to say. I think there are endless distractions, both conscious and unconscious, that we engage in every single day and often don't realize it. I still, as I engage with my children in the afternoon, you know, my energy is pretty good in the morning and by three or four, I start to get tired and by seven or eight, I really just want to curl up under a blanket somewhere which of course is about the time that, you know, there's homework and dinner and sporting events and kids haven't seen me all day and they want to engage. And the tireder I am, the harder I find it to be to put down my phone and stop scrolling through my Instagram and actually turn my attention to what my children are saying. And I've become much more aware over the last few years of my tendency, um, my introverted tendency to want to... to disengage when I'm tired and to make that conscious choice to set the phone down and turn my attention to my children or set down whatever else it is that I'm working on at the time to actually stop what I'm doing and make sure that I hear what they have to say and hopefully engage in that conversation in a way that helps them feel heard and that they were important enough for me to stop the other things that I was doing. Now, obviously, we can't, every, we can't always stop everything for other people, but I think it, makes, it can make a huge, huge difference, particularly um, for our children as they're growing up. And so all of that about listening, I've been reflecting on, you know, the times that I've listened and the times that I haven't, the times that I've demonstrated a willingness to really engage with other people and really have what they hear what they have to say, and the times when I haven't, uh, for whatever reason, really been interested or really been present to what someone else was saying to me. And so then I think about how we actually engage with ourselves. And there are a lot of things that we don't listen to 
in terms of our bodies and our well-being. You know, I know so many people who struggle with sleep. I know so many people who think that sleeping, you know, four to six hours a night is is plenty for them, and maybe it is, um, although they would be an outlier from a statistical perspective if they really are healthy and strong as they can be on four to six hours of sleep. We stay up too late. We get up too early. We buy into this message that, you know, to to be more, we have to, you know, get up at 5 a.m. and do 200 things more than anybody else did before that, you know, by the time they got up at seven. We don't exercise. We don't move our bodies. And, and exercise, you know, there's so much out there about just the benefit of positive movement or just the benefit of movement doesn't necessarily have to be intense. So there are conscious and unconscious endless distractions in our lives that really feed in some ways the fact that we don't, that we struggle these days sometimes, I think, to listen to others and to really be present to what it is they're trying to say to us and to really engage in a way that builds strength and connection as opposed to dealing with people in a way that actually tears down that connection and can be incredibly harmful not only to our most intimate relationships, but also to our relationships in our community and beyond. And so then as I've been thinking about listening and the importance of listening and what goes into good listening and the mistakes and challenges that I myself have had over my lifetime, I guess, I also have started to, was also thinking about some of the lessons I've learned over the last five years or so about listening to myself. And what blows my mind is that our bodies tell us so many things if we just listen. And I'm in part talking about the brain, but I'm actually talking less about the brain than I am about the rest of our physiology. Our brain is full of all sorts of interesting messages and stories. And those stories were created as we moved through life you know, from the time we were very young, our brains actually take in information and match that information or match that kind of visual or that language or that profile to something we've experienced in the past. And it draws connections that are not necessarily reflective of our present reality. And so I'm going to, I'll circle back to the brain in a minute, but one of what I've really learned over the last five years or so for myself has been how important and powerful it can be to listen to my body. You know, we require sleep and exercise and food and water to be our very best. And if you don't believe it as an adult, you know, think about again, think about a small child. If a small child doesn't get sleep and some movement, and some human connection, and food and water, it shows up in that child's demeanor very, very quickly. You know, you can tell when a child is cranky because they're tired, or they're cranky because they're hungry, um, or they are bouncing off the walls because they haven't gotten any exercise, or they're starting to feel dehydrated, and it's, you know, they're getting a headache. Those signals that we see in little people um, or even pets. I mean, think about your pets. 
Again, if they don't have water, if they don't have food, if they don't have rest, if they don't have movement, then it starts to show in their behavior. And yet as adults, we think that we can kind of pay attention to those things, but maybe not really on any given day, and then expect the very best um, performance from ourselves. You know, we, we expect or we, we kind of live in a world where we expect that we're supposed to maintain high performance levels on four to six hours of sleep a night. Or that, you know, while it would be nice to exercise, it's not really a priority. Everything else is so much more important. So we're just going to not do that. Um, for me, over the last couple of years, I've really struggled with food intake, partly because anxiety made me nauseous. But what really struck me in this, particularly this last year, is I've been really focused on trying to make sure that I am taking in food, enough food, has been how much time and energy it takes to actually plan to eat. And I got in a really bad habit of, you know, running out the door uh, with no food and no plan and not pausing long enough to say, okay, Booth, you need to eat. You have all of these things you want to accomplish in the world. And if you don't eat, you're not going to be, you're not going to feel good. You're not going to have enough energy. You're not going to be able to engage and stay focused and concentrate and do all these things. Um, You know, we, when I went back to work after my second child, I literally got through the day on cafe mocha for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we can do some of those things for the short term, but when they become long-term habits, it becomes problematic. And, and yet, unlike what we would see and how we would respond when we see that in a child, you know, the child needs sleep, the child needs food, the child needs movement, or, or our pet, for some reason as grown-ups, we think that we should be able to ignore all of those things and still be at our best. And the reality is that we can't do that forever. We, again, we might be able to do it in short periods, We might even be able to ignore what we need for 10 or 20 years. And yet, I am here to guarantee you that it will show up at some point in your life. And it shows up as chronic stress and anxiety and depression and illness and injury and high blood pressure and heart problems and diabetes It shows up in so many ways because our body, frankly, has been screaming at us, much like a small child, for years. And we somehow along the way have forgotten how to listen and forgotten how to pay attention. What I've also learned over the last few years is that both positive and negative emotions show up in our body through physical sensations. You know, um, Maybe the the more negative ones are easier to spot, a tight tight throat or a tight chest, butterflies, headaches, nausea, stomach aches. Sometimes those symptoms are not evidence of an illness, but they are evidence of an emotion. Something that we are feeling physiologically in our body is often tied to an emotion that we are feeling, you know, whether it's our anger or sadness or feeling stuck or feeling afraid. All of those emotions have physiological symptoms. And the longer we haven't listened to our bodies, 
the longer it may take for us to learn to rebuild that connection. Some of the things that I have done over the last several years in an attempt to become reconnected to my own physical self and my own physical needs again have been first focusing on my sleep. When I first ended up in therapy, the therapist basically said, if you don't start to sleep, we won't be able to help you because I was not going to have the capacity to do the work. And at the time, I'd only been sleeping maybe four to five hours a night for several years. And so sleep became an incredibly important first step for me. When I am feeling really worn down or starting to feel, um, frankly, low, or like I might be kind of hanging out on the precipice of a depressive episode, Still, even five years later, I go back to sleep first. Am I getting enough sleep? Am I going to, you know, have I set a bedtime? Am I sticking to that bedtime? Am I not letting myself um, trick myself into thinking that I can stay up later and still function? I know that I require eight to nine hours of sleep on a regular basis in order to live the life that I want to lead. And I also know that if I miss out on that sleep for a few days, that I'm going to start to feel it. The next thing that I do is make sure that I'm drinking enough water and making sure that I stay hydrated. It's amazing the difference in how you feel if you're really paying attention between when you have taken in enough water and you haven't taken in enough water. If my energy is good enough after I've made sure that I get sleep and that I'm drinking enough water, then I start to focus on my calorie intake. What am I eating? Um, Not so much what type of food am I eating, um, but just am I eating? And I know this isn't necessarily an issue for everyone, but as I've mentioned, I got in the habit of just not eating and, you know, living on coffee until 2 or 3 p.m. and then just eating whatever was around. And I was not taking in nearly enough calories to, again, keep up with my life and to do the things that I wanted to do. Um, I was stunned at how much better I felt when I actually started to take in enough calories And I also now am much more present to how I feel when I'm not taking in enough calories. It's still really easy for me to fall into a habit of not prioritizing food. And I notice when I don't, and I try to kind of reel myself back in sooner rather than later when I realize that I haven't been focused on eating. And then really one of my lifelines multiple times in my life has been physical activity. Um, making sure that I am getting in some form of exercise three days a week is a huge, huge boost to my confidence. I feel stronger. I feel happier and healthier and more able to deal with whatever the world is going to throw at me. Now, there was a time that I overtrained. So as with all things, any good things can, can be taken to ex- an extreme to the point that they are no longer helpful and effective. But at this point in my life, I've learned to rest when I feel like my body needs rest. And I've learned to move when I feel like I need to move. And I continue to practice taking in enough water and taking in enough food. And 
I think what happens is we we spend so much time kind of ignoring how we feel that we forget how to be connected to that. And it takes me, it's taken me a lot of practice and it continues to be a practice to stay connected to how well I'm meeting my own fundamental physical needs. One of the other things that I did um, over the last two years, because I knew that I had a high level of physical and emotional disassociation, was that I took a 200-hour yoga teacher training class. Not so much because I think I'll be a yoga teacher. Um, I don't really know whether I will end up being a yoga teacher. But the physical movement of yoga and the practice of yoga and the integrated mindfulness and meditation practice was very helpful in me learning to just reconnect physically and emotionally. And so if you find yourself at a place where you're like, well, I don't recognize these signals anymore because I've ignored them for so long, I encourage you to explore a simple meditative practice which doesn't have to be complicated. It can literally be sitting five minutes a day and focusing on your breath. There are a lot of apps out there now that support meditative practices. Some of them are guided, some of them are not. So if it feels like you just don't know where to go or how to start, you know, there's a, I know I use Headspace pretty regularly. I've also used Budify. So there are apps that can help you, you know, learn that that basic practice. I also encourage yoga classes. There are lots and lots of types of yoga. So there's really a yoga for everybody and there's yoga for really different purposes. But even a restorative yoga practice, which is one of my favorites, is a place to start learning how to be still and how to be present and listening to connecting with ourselves and our bodies in a different way. So today I've, I wanted to spend some time talking about listening and listening is a very complex subject and, and there's lots of directions that, that I could have gone and I probably will have at least one follow-up episode on the importance of listening and, and the different types of listening. When we're talking about listening to other people, when we realize that we aren't listening well, um, it is a place in our lives where we have the opportunity to take immediate action. We can, you know, set the phone down. We can look that person in the eye. We can ask how someone is with the intent to really receive the answer. We can listen and engage in a way that we ask follow-up questions to really show that other person and explore with that other person what it is they're trying to communicate with us or to us. And often in that practice of really being present, really engaging, looking someone in the eye, listening with the intent to hear, we have an opportunity to build much deeper and more effective communication in our relationships with other people. And the parallel that I have identified is that the same thing is true when we talk about listening to our bodies. We can rebuild that connection by showing up, being present, listening to what our body has to say. And in this case, it's not always in the case of listening that we then need to take action. Sometimes we just need to listen. But in the case of our fundamental physical needs, 
we have an opportunity when we realize that we are not prioritizing sleep, um, that we need to maybe change our routines around sleep, we have the opportunity to take immediate action and to try to set up a new routine or a new structure or a new habit or a new expectation for ourselves about the priority of sleep in our lives. We have the opportunity to make that same shift in priority as it relates to taking in enough water. We have the opportunity to make immediate changes in you know whether we move or don't move. And again, it doesn't have to be You know, if I don't, and this is hard for me, sometimes it's like, if I can't exercise for an hour, why bother? But the reality is that, you know, walking around, you know, every 90 minutes when you're at work and just, you know, walking around for a couple of minutes or walking for 10 minutes a day, particularly if you're able to walk 10 minutes a day in nature can make a huge, huge difference um, for your body. And then the last piece that I've really focused on today is, is eating. And I am not a nutritionist and uh, not an expert, but what I have learned is that intentionally fueling my body makes me feel so much more prepared. Um, It's the difference between waking up every morning feeling like I'm still exhausted and I get hit by a Mack truck and waking up every morning and feeling like I have the energy to face my day. And so really thinking about your caloric intake Um, even before you start to think about what, you know, whether you're eating, quote, healthy or unhealthy foods, um, just making sure that you are in the practice of making sure that you have adequate food to eat as you go through your day. Um, All of those, each time you make that choice to listen to your body and rest, to listen to your body and move, to listen to your body and drink water and to listen to your body and eat food. You are rebuilding that connection. And just as you can rebuild that connection to others, you can rebuild that connection and that awareness of your own fundamental basic needs. And I think just, you know, I think Maslow's hierarchy of basic needs often plays out um, exactly true in our lives. If we aren't taking care of our very basic needs, we are not going to be equipped to show up in the world the way that we want to show up, to accomplish the things that we want to accomplish, to lead the way we want to lead, to parent the way we want to parent, to show up in relationship with our friends and our family, and to really fulfill our mission and purpose in the world. So I challenge you to, over the next week, um, whenever, you know, maybe a couple of times a day, check in with your body and just, are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you thirsty? Have you moved lately? What is your body asking of you? And what are some, what are, what is one step that you could do to respond to your body and say, I hear you and I'm going to give you what you need. So that wraps up this week's episode. Um, For more information about the work that I do with individuals, groups, and organizations, you can go to boothandrews.com. You can also find me on Facebook at Booth Andrews and on Instagram and Twitter at Knox Light. That is K-N-O-X-L-I-G-H-T. Thank you for listening this week. And if you haven't already, please hit subscribe and remember to rate this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. I look forward to being with you next week. 
This has been a Humble Pod production. Stay humble.